Welcome to the Pace and Freedom Podcast. It's not about the politics. It's about the stories, the people, the emotions, the humanity. I am your host, James Pace, and I am here not to use labels, not to judge, simply to hold a conversation. Today, I welcome my guests, Hugo Gonzalez and Pepe Torra from the Libertad Aquí y Ahora podcast, and we discuss the Mexican dream and the liberty movement in Latin America. Now don't hold back. Speak your truth. Tell your story. Change society by treating others with dignity and respect. This is the Pace and Freedom Podcast. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. So hello, James. My name is Hugo Gonzalez. I'm originally from Venezuela, but I've made my whole life here in Mexico since 25, 26 years. I'm an engineer by trade, uh, but I've been into podcasting, I've done a little bit of radio show um, work in, in the US, and also I, I uh, co-host a, currently a podcast in Mexico City. And I've been doing Liberty stuff for probably, I don't know, close to since 2005, so that's a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that would be all for me. Go ahead, Pepe. I'm uh, Jose Pepe Torra from uh, Mexico City, born and raised. Uh, I'm an economist by trade. I work uh, doing research, uh, economic freedom research mostly, with a thing that called Caminos de Libertad. And I've been working uh, also with Hugo in the podcasting world and in the libertarian uh, podcasting circuit. And um, we've well, been working on this for, for the past uh, yeah, yeah, 10, 10 to 12 years. So as I uh, mentioned earlier, I, I contacted you guys out, out there in Mexico because I ran into your podcast as I was, I, I'm always searching for libertarian podcasts. And I asked my, so I'm married to a Mexican uh, woman. I was asking her, her sister, I was like, are there any libertarians out there in Mexico that you know of? And she's like, honestly, I don't. Like, I, I don't really know that many, uh, if any at all. I mean, I know people with ideas, uh, libertarian ideas, but uh, not that many libertarians. So uh, her and I started looking and searching on the internet, and I was looking for podcasts, and Laya's popped up on Apple Podcasts. So I was super excited, and I started listening to you guys. And uh, it's a great show, honestly. So I reached out to you guys, and fortunately, uh, fortunately somebody contacted me. They were going to put Hugo in contact with me, and Hugo uh, reached out, and I was excited. So, and you guys actually, I think if um, if I was listening correctly, I think you guys mentioned me on your on one of your uh, episodes um, that I invited invited you, Hugo. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We talked about that. We mentioned that um, some, someone reached out to us. And that we were not sure what, what was going to happen, so here we are. Yeah, <laughs> I might have done a couple jokes about that, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> now you I did. regret it. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> nah, it's all good. It was all funny, and uh, I played it for my wife, and she's like, "Yeah, they definitely were talking about it." And I was like, "So it was fun." Um, so yeah, libertarians in Mexico. So 
I mean, my sister-in-law hasn't heard of many. Uh, there aren't that many. And you mentioned in your episode, there aren't that many. So what is the libertarian movement like in Mexico? Uh, well, we have, I think we have several, several um, different sections of that libertarian movement. Um, and it's been that way for a while. Um, um, and Pepe, please interrupt me anytime that you want. I want to clarify. Or... He does it anyways on your show, so. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I will do. Uh, <laughs> so we have, we have the, 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 we always have had the classical liberal uh, Mexican version uh, of, uh, of uh, liberalism, old, old school European liberalism in Mexico. And they have a, a few personalities here and there, right? And they have always had them, um, even rising to the ranks of politics and, and, uh, state secretaries, those, those kinds of jobs. Um, we also have, um, uh, we ha have had since uh, probably, I don't know, 15 years or so, and we have a running joke on the podcast that we, one of our, our co-hosts is the first libertarian in Mexico. <laughs> so um, since uh, for, for about 15 years, we've had this libertarian more with a, a predator, predatory theory of the state uh, a people here, uh, which we're part of. So we have that, we have those people and some of them are very, very active in social networks, Twitter, Facebook, those kinds of things and set up groups all the time. And um, we also have the academic, um, academic or foundation NGO scene. And I like, I let Pepe talk more about that. Well, I, I think uh, there's a, as, as Hugo said, uh, there's a couple of generations. Uh, one is before the turn of the century uh, that we had our Europe, uh, classical liberals, and, and I think it all started around 1930s with uh, Luis Montezelca and Gustavo Revelasco that were the first, I mean, the forefathers of, of, of Mexican libertarianism, if you want. And from that, the movement started to evolve in the uh, political and, and uh, business elite, elites. Um, and it was like a couple of families, the, the Navarros, this, not that it's not a, is my connection all right? Not that it was a it's not a new thing, it's still, but yeah. Well, I was talking about, there were a couple of families in the, the industrial and, and political elites that were the Salinas and the Navarros. And it was mostly a niche thing, not that it's not anymore. Uh, but now then after, I think that the rise of the internet era, a lot of more uh, people started like, uh, getting information from, from the, the, the states and, and uh, South America. And then along came the second generation of, of libertarians that uh, I would dare say it started with the uh, Movimiento Libertario de Mexico, MLM, and uh, with a lot of groups that started forming in the internet that are now really, really active uh, on the internet. And, and a lot of them have started uh, grassroots movements and, and try to uh, start a more active, uh, like direct action or, or political action movement now, but it's right. uh, mostly, I would think uh, the, the online uh, presence is, is way, way uh, bigger than, than what you see in the actual meetings or reunions. Right. Now, something that I think for Mexico, right, in comparison to the United States, we have in the United States, this where we have these two major political parties, the, the Democrats and the Republicans that kind of hold the, the monopoly or the duopoly, if you want to call it, over 
politics here. Uh, if you ask um, anybody here on the streets and you, and you tell them, um, hey, do you know about the Libertarian Party? Uh, there's a one in 10 chance that somebody will say, oh yeah, I know what Libertarian is and I know what the Libertarian Party is, right? And in Mexico, you guys don't yet have a Libertarian Party per se, correct? You just have the, the movement uh, and a certain amount of Libertarian groups. But one thing I see in Mexico is you have all these different uh, political parties. You have multitude of political parties. And it's, we've seen with the, the rise of uh, Morena, who was a small political party, rise up. Is there a chance of a libertarian party uh, forming and rising up just like Morena did? I would say no. Um, I would say definitely not. I mean, the, the whole, the whole uh, scheme of incentives for creating a party here in Mexico is uh, very slanted towards having uh, very, uh, towards having parties that are dependent, dependent of the, on the government for even for funding. So right. one of the discussions that arises every time someone here or a group gets together and tries to start a party or a, whatever steps are come before having a party in Mexico, we have this process where you first have to have some kind of national political association, organized mm -hmm. thing, and then you move on to having a party. We always have the same discussion, and not that I've been to a lot of them. I used to, I used to, but not anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, we always have this, hey, what are we going to do when we get uh, to, to be a political party and we have to accept public funding for our political party? So every and they discuss it like it's like, like it's a reality. Um, that's one of the reasons why I don't think I don't think there's a room for a for a libertarian party in electoral politics. Um, it also takes a lot of time, a lot of money, uh, right. which of course it does uh, take a lot of time and a lot of money in the U.S. too. Right. But here it, it usually involves aligning yourself or. The worst parts of politics in Mexico, right. and uh, but well, that's my take. I don't. I, don't, I think we are aligned with this, uh, Pepe, in that we we don't think it's a very good idea to have a, a, a libertarian political party. Well, even if it were a good idea, it uh, as you say, it's quite impossible. The, the, the things they ask ask people, well, ask groups in order to become a political party are quite difficult to get, and even to just uh. uh Put yourself up as a an, as an independent candidate. It's, it's quite impossible to do. The amount of signatures you need to get to uh, just register yourself to be voted for it's 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 quite impossible. Uh, they gave I think last election you had uh, three weeks to get uh, half a million signatures. Uh, it's it's just ridiculous what they asked for. Right. The the thing with Morena, the thing with Morena, it's, it's it's that they were even though they were a small party, they were all people that were already involved in politics, were part of the whole structure, and and had this uh, uh well groups of, of of people that would uh, I mean, help with the whole process, right? They were right. inside. They already had a, not like there were people going. Right. They already had some sort of capital, um, personal capital, and and monetary capital if we're going to take a, a lesson from the u.s case uh maybe uh we would say here hey just don't go ahead and get a political party because see the the electoral result result of having 
that third party or that libertarian party, um, it's probably not worth it for us at least. Um, However, yeah, all the resources. Yeah, it's easier for a Mexican small party to get into the debates than it is in the in the U.S. Right? Like we had an independent, two independent candidates on the debates uh, on the national uh, te nationally televised debates and. And I don't think the Libertarian Party has, has ever, ever uh, got that chance, right? No, never. And, and that's the thing, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, they make it hard every time. It's hard to get on the ballot uh, in all 50 states as well, right? So, and that's something that uh, I have talked to about with a lot of, of Libertarians. Uh, I was actually talking to uh, a former uh, Libertarian uh, gubernatorial candidate about he was talking to me about you know leaving the libertarian party um and joining the republican party to to run and and um uh the reason being is because it's the only way to get on the ballot because if not you don't get that that support right um so we were tossing around the idea of you know maybe it's better to not have a a political party and just try to have more of a movement and put libertarians um, into the Democratic Party and into Republican parties and kind of overtake the party, the two major parties that way. Um, is that kind of what the idea is with the, the libertarian movement in Mexico as well, is to try to get libertarians into politics and overtake um, the political uh, scene? Well, in the recent years, we have had uh, two, uh, well, a senator and, and, and a representative elected libertarians uh, from, uh, well, running uh, on the uh, National Action Party, Partido Acción Nacional, PAN, that is a, a, a democratic Christian party, democratic Catholic party here in Mexico. And, uh, well, what, what is surprising is they, they were both uh, libertarian. They were both running on a really uh, li libertarian uh, platform. They, they were talking about the ideas of limited government, of, of uh, citizenship, power for the citizenship, less power lower for the government, taxes. and, and yeah, lower taxes. And, and what was funny is it wasn't even the libertarian movement who was behind them originally. Like, we learned once they were already elected that they existed, but they, they actually went uh, ahead and, and won with the grassroots of, of not the libertarian movement, but with the power of the, with the strength of the message alone, which, which, which right. is quite impressive in a population such Mexican one. Yeah, which, is, which can be construed as a success case for, for the libertarian <laughs> uh, movement in Mexico, or at least the libertarian, or the liberty ideas. Right. Mexico, at least. And one thing, that I, one thing that, I, that I think is very positive is that they, kept being libertarians after taking office and there still are so in whatever we might want more radicalism from them but that's that's something that we will always have, we will always right. want to have from them and they won't do it that's fine that's their ideas around well, pancho was quite radical uh, yeah, i mean right. he, asked for the, he asked for the president of the bank of mexico to be incarcerated because of inflation uh, which which i think was genius but of course it didn't apply right uh, <laughs> But now, the thing with them, uh, I think the, what happened with Jorge Triana, that he was the, the representative, not, not with Pancho Burgos, there was the senator, who uh, Pancho was like kind of known between the, the libertarians because he was part of a libertarian family. But Triana ran on a libertarian platform, I think without him even knowing 
that he was a libertarian. Wow. So yes. what, once he got there, uh, the, the libertarian movement kind of said, and, and he was quite well received here and, and, uh, and he embraced libertarianism. Now he calls himself a, a libertarian. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, compared in comparison, kind of like we have uh, Justin Amash and uh, Rand Paul, which I don't really consider him that much of a libertarian anymore. Um, his father, his father is more, you know, Ron Paul is much more libertarian than, than him. But uh, we have kind of our libertarians that are not necessarily libertarian party. And I think they, they do have some sort of success story for libertarianism. And yet we still kind of want more, right? We want that more of a radicalism, as you say. You know, if it was up to to a lot of libertarians, we would just rather not have government, right? And uh, have a complete anarchy. But uh, that's a whole discussion for, for another day. You went ahead day. and said, said the A word there. I know. I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, and it's funny because here in the United States, the A word has become actually uh, a uh, Donald Trump has declared it uh, a terrorist group anar uh, anarchist so um, it's uh, quite interesting uh, so we have a lot of libertarians that are embracing being called terrorists now but yeah um, what is so Hugo you and I before before going to recording we were talking about kind of expats um, you know, moving to, to the United States or from the United States to Mexico. And uh, we were talking about uh, one particular expat that moved down there who is a libertarian. And one of the things he mentioned was uh, when he was talking on his podcast is that the biggest difference between Mexico and the United States is that Mexicans uh, realize that their government is statist and corrupt versus the United States uh, Americans uh, are in denial that their government is uh, corrupt. And uh, you thought that was a, a pretty interesting thing to be able to talk about. So what, are, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I actually said, hey, um, I, I compare these experiences with some of, some of the um, some some of of the people who who actually fle uh, fled the former Soviet Union that they right. came into America and they say, hey, uh, we always knew this was bad. We only, we always knew these were criminals and pedophiles and horrible people. So how come you're taking such a long time to realize it, right? Right. And uh, and uh, so uh, I think there's some also elites uh, here, um, urban elites that actually are going to the whole rule of law thing but most people every everyday mexicans every the mexican in the street is actually uh, actually knows that now uh, pepe i was telling him that now when the government does actually dangle the carrot in front of you and uh, you know offers up the whatever is going to grow the state the the, the give up the handout the whatever program most people will say, will say yes, even though they realize these are very bad people. And um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, why that happens here as in everywhere else. Well, uh, I think there's, it's, 
a Latin American thing, not, not only Mexican thing, to understand that government robs. Like, you know, they're robbers, you know, they are stealing from you. But then when they offer to give something back, well, they're giving it kind of something back. Uh, well, you're eager to say yes, because you know they're going to stop uh, stealing from you. Right. So, so I think uh, that that's what created this uh, terrible culture of, of it's it's uh, of extractive uh, institutions where, where government takes and and you're you're waiting to see what what are you gonna get back that it's uh, the complete opposite in what we think of uh, well what we ide idealize is, is that a word yeah like like the idealization of of what we believe the united states are like you know you have this culture of liberty and you're always wanting to resist the government which we know it's not real but but it's what america paints itself to be uh, it, it's not something that is part of the latin american culture or, right. or mexican culture we, we have different things we have different myths we have right. know, the past greatness myth and some kind of national unity myth that um centered around race and indigenous people, those kinds of things, no. uh, which Americans don't have in the same way, but it's different myths. Right. Yeah, liberty is just not a part of our foundational thing or, or anything. Right. Well, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, I don't know if you guys ever watched this, the television series on Netflix, uh, Money Heist, in, Hispanic, in Spanish, I think it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it's... Casa uh, de Papel. Casa de Papel, correct. And, uh, and I know that because I watch it in Spanish, but we, uh, me and my wife watch it. And I remember um, that it used to be on, on Spanish television because it was from Spain and it only lasted two seasons and it got canceled. It was on Antena Tres uh, in Spain and it got canceled and then Netflix picked it up and it became a huge success everywhere else in the world except for in Spain, right? So I decided to kind of study this, why it was such a, not a success in Spain, right? And it was because you were talking about myths, right? About how in Latin America, kind of liberty has never been a necessarily a foundation, right? In Latin America versus in the United States and in a lot of the other countries where they've had these like revolutionary uh, uh, freedom to gain uh, liberty, to gain republics, and to gain a um, certain amount of liberty, even if they weren't successful, they do remember a, a certain uh, time in, in their history that there was this rebellion of sorts, kind of embrace it, versus countries like Spain, they never had this sort of embrace of rebellion. You know, during Franco time, there was a very small rebellion that was squashed very quickly and very swiftly. Um, so they never really had that, that kind of feeling of rebellion against the state. When they did achieve democracy, it was because the king gave it to them. It wasn't because they won it or they, there was some sort of rebellion that achieved it. It was because the king gifted it to them. So um, I think that's why it wasn't a, a success in Spain because it was a story about rebellion and the Spanish are not interested in it. We have a, I think in our national myths on the modern Mexican state and all several places in Latin America, we have this idea, well, not we, but most people have this idea that rebellion or revolution can lead to good things. Right. S such as um, 
when talking about the American Revolution, uh, rebelling against uh, England, or or in our case against Spain, and then Mexico Re Mexican Revolution, rebe rebelling against whoever was in power came, and then after that, we got something better. That's the idea, right? Uh, the Spaniards have this thing where they they did wage a civil war, but things were very very bad afterwards. So that right. that could be. Pepe, you know a lot about Spain that I don't. So I don't no, know no, how they think. No, but getting getting back to Latin America, and 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 this is something that 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 could be interesting for you mostly, Hugo. That I know you're a amateur philologist, like you, you love language and all all that. The thing the thing that we don't have uh, the term like the Americans, you have the American Revolution, but for Latin Americans, we call them the Wars of Independence. It was like we are now. It's like a, a, the different conception of we're rebelling against the tyranny of King George. Against like we're not rebelling against tyranny, but we want to be uh, by ourselves. Like the, the the Mexican independence was about self governance, while the the American Revolution was about rebelling against uh, uh, a tyranny. So so I think what we as I mean what, what as language developed into into the your own conception of reality. Right. When you call the war the war of independence, you you start by saying like. Well, we need to be a, a government, but a government of our own nationals instead of having right. an, 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 an foreign a power uh, govern us. Uh, instead of saying we, we are rebelling against authority, we're rebelling against tyranny, and, and we want to be free. No, we want it to be independent. It's not the same right. thing. From exactly. Spain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people in the United States, the newer generation has forgotten that, right? They forgot that the American Revolution was about uh, revolting against tyranny and revolting against a tyrannical rule. And it wasn't necessarily to substitute one government for another. It was to literally just abolish a government and have more independence and in the, in the form of freedom or self-freedom. Um, and a lot of people, I think, here have forgotten that. They think that the revolution was about replacing the king for patriotism. That, that's a very interesting point, Pepe. I like that. Go ahead, Hugo. Uh, yeah, um, I wanted to maybe kind of steer this um, in, in one direction, if, you're, if, if you'd like. Yes. So let, let me tell you about this. Um, we we uh, we were talking about expats before and people who yes. were coming into Mexico and living uh, what I like to call the Mexican dream, which is not the same thing that expats are looking for. They're um, stealing our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wanted to make maybe maybe make a PSA around around the Mexican dream because uh, there's different versions of it, and right. I know there's probably people listening to this, or will, there will be pe people listening to this living in, in, in the United States of America and wanting to maybe relocate to Mexico, which is a great idea. And I'm not, I will never talk against that. Um, but there's this thing, uh, from, we, have, we have Jeff Berwick in Acapulco and he's telling Americans that we have anarchy here. Uh, when, when we have uh, some places in the, when some, some places in Mexico is anarchy as in Somalia, which is several <laughs> competing governments locally and a lot of crime. And so uh, I think there is a Mexican dream, and I tend to call it, uh, I tend to call a Mexican, the Mexican dream, whatever happens in Mexico, where the police won't, won't kick your front door 
because you're cutting people's hair or where you don't need a license to um, cut people's nails or do people's nails or you can sell you can buy whatever medicine you want you can walk into a drugstore and buy buy medicine without some exceptions but still right you 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 can you don't have to go through the whole the whole thing when people tell me you should why don't you consider moving to canada it's hey i want to buy my own medicine and get my own doctor right so that's it's it's actually a continuum where you will for example say hey in america we don't have this socialized medicine uh, a medical system so we can get our own doctors it's really expensive still we can we can do that we get our own insurance used to at least um, we get our, our insurance and we, then we can go to the drugstore and get what we want. It's, it's even better here. So he can tell right. you, hey, you can get your own free market doctor uh, if you don't have insurance, unless there's something catastrophic, you can get a $5 doctor's visit or uh, you, you go to the, 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 the office of, of the doctor and you'll get um, um, a prescription and then you can go fulfill it in any pharmacy you want, any drugstore. So, those well, this was sorry. This this was in the pre-COVID uh, world, right? Uh, and that, now it seems to be going uh, that our whole system seems to be going bad because they're encroaching in a lot of the liberties we used to have, like with going to a, a private laboratory and making yourself whatever blood test or whatever thing you wanted. Now they are saying no, no, private laboratories cannot do COVID certain, tests, for example. But, certain things, yeah. yeah. Do you exactly. think? Using kind of the COVID pandemic to impose uh, more of the restrictions that we have here in the United States to to be more uh, like the as far as regulations go. This can only go that way, right? I mean, right. Um, it's happening um, uh, sometimes by accident. We get more liberty, or where the state is about to collapse. This happened here in all in, in all of Latin America with banking. Um, um, with um, exchange rates and those, those kinds of, with uh, public spending. So right. sometimes we do get those uh, liberties back, um, sometimes by accident or where they have no other choice. But I think things are going that way slowly, but surely they're going that way. But uh, speaking of Mexico, it's going that way everywhere in the world. Right. So I don't see any place where liberty is consistently winning against tyranny or at least control. Uh, we get more productive, but then then that just gives more room to the state to extract more from us, and um, they can still do it because we are uh, growing faster than the than the state can plunder us. But you see, James, there's 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 a tragedy here that it should be mentioned. Uh, most of the uh, COVID, uh, well, the the government using COVID as an excuse to uh, encroach on liberties, uh, it was mostly self-inflicted. Like when, right. when the whole thing started, the Mexican government was totally uh, reluctant to act, to do whatever. They, they didn't want us to put us in lockdown or anything. They were scared. They didn't know. I mean, they're idiots. They didn't know what to do. But people start, started uh, demanding tyranny. And right. uh, so where there's demand, there's supply. And, and, and they, uh, <laughs> it created its, its own supply. And originally it was a state government's starting with uh, uh, the tyrannical measures right. and uh, in the end it was the federal government just uh, isn't saying, that okay, crazy that's though? what you want it, right. it, I, I, i'm trying to make sense of it i i, I, can't I know go. i mean and even here in the united states the same thing right 
it's just crazy to me. Like you can do a lot of this stuff yourself. You don't need government to tell you to do these things. You don't need government to tell you to wash your hands and wash your face with water and soap. It's just common sense. I was, uh, I lived in, in Spain for, for 12 years and, um, I have a lot of friends back there and they, they, me uh over facebook because i i'm always talking about freedoms and about hey you know if you don't want to wear a mask freaking wear it you know i don't care like uh, i'm going to go home and i'm going to wash my face and i'm going to wash my hands and and spray my wife has me spray lysol on my shoes before i come in so you know i don't need government to tell me to do that so i don't care if you don't uh do this so my friends in spain and my family in spain they're like, oh james you can't be telling people to do that you uh, government is telling you to to stay at home you need to stay at home and I was like it's funny uh that people rely on government to tell them to you know if government doesn't tell you not to wash your hands you, somehow you you can't think for yourself and you just don't wash your hands and you get sick right so and we don't have to give any any credibility to that statement and the way that we uh, the way that we can help not give any credibility to that statement is also not overreacting to whatever the government says, and this is going to sound moderate. I'm not. <laughs> uh, not not overreacting to whatever the government says in, in the sense that, hey, if uh, the government's telling you to wash your hands, then I'm a libertarian. I'm not going to wash my hands just because right. the government's saying it. Just because the government's saying I'm not going to wear a mask, I'm not going to wash my hands because, you know, that state is BS. Right. And so you have to, this is, this is the same thing with vaccination, right? I mean, I, I get to choose which vaccines I will give the people I love, I will give myself, but I will make that decision. Of course, maybe the government uh, mandates vaccination. And of course, that's always bad, but you have to exercise judgment. Otherwise you're giving credibility to those people who are saying, hey, if you, this will, the government will have to tell you to do this, otherwise you won't do it. Right. You, you don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to put yourself in harm's way to, put, to make a point against the government. I mean, most of us libertarians uh, uh, comply with the tax code. We hate right. taxes, but, but we don't want to go to jail, right? Exactly. So, 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 well, we wear a mask, we wash our hands, and it doesn't have to do anything with the government telling us. It's just because it's common sense, right? You're right. You know, it's, it's like with taxes or even voting, we have a lot of, here in the United States, a lot of anarchists that, will say, oh, you shouldn't vote because, um, you know, that's, it's aggression against people because by voting, you're forcing other people to pose a certain form of government against them. So uh, you shouldn't participate in the election system. And I, I tend to disagree with, I think you should go and, and vote. I don't know if that's uh, getting offered. I don't know if the better thing is ever on the ballot. Um, right. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have a libertarian party, which right. I actually will actually support different things. I'm finding it harder and harder not to vote. Not not that I'm gonna, um, not that I'm gonna uh, uh, break. I, I I think I will be able to not vote in the next election because I usually I don't. But I, for example, if you ask me about a, a, if the voting or if the ballot goes about um, or is about some policy, I will, I, will, I will say my opinion. And I don't think there's a problem with saying, hey, if they put up a ballot and say, hey, do you want this, um, do you want this policy enacted or not? Um, I will probably go to that uh, um, ballot and, and uh, cast a vote. 
with no problem. Without a ballot in box and cast a, cast a vote. Problem is, it's usually, usually about people. And these people don't have any, um, they're not um, obligated in any sense to carry out what they say, even if they talk liberty during the campaign. Right. So that's, that's my point. And, uh, well, that's my, 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 my stance on voting. Um, I haven't done it. Uh, I think I voted once a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I voted 2006. Yeah. I haven't voted ever since. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean. Well, I, I guess I can say that once I move in Mexico, I won't vote either. But that's because I can't. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good side effect of moving to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to vote. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so I'm uh, um, coming back to the Mexican dream. I just wanted to say, uh, if you if you want to move to Mexico and not you, I think you've you've got it researched out probably. But um, if anybody wants to move to Mexico, there is there are good things about moving. There are liberties, additional liberties that you will gain right. moving in Mexico. And uh, don't think don't believe whatever what what people say. Right. Well, and I mean, I think I think that's just crazy, right? Because I've never. Growing up, you know, like I said, I, I lived in Spain, I grew up in Spain, and then I moved to the United States. And I never thought about moving to Mexico until I met my wife, and I married her, and then we came to Mexico, and I was shocked by a lot of the liberties. I was like, wait, what? This person can just uh, open up uh, a, a store in their own home, like a full-on store, and they're, you know, and that said, you, you'd never be able to get away with that here in the United States. Um, or a restaurant in their own home, right? Like you're going in and there's like literally bedrooms right there where you're eating it, you know, you're asking from a menu. Um, that's just amazing. And there's, like you said, a certain amount of freedoms where you're not having the police coming and throwing down your door and shooting at you for these kind of things where here in the United States, you know, for smoking a plant that you might be smoking because it helps you uh, get shot for or for not paying taxes. Uh, I don't know what it's like over there in, in Mexico if you don't pay taxes, if you get shot for that, but um, I'm pretty sure you don't get choke hold, uh, or choked to death for selling cigarettes in the streets. So uh, it's just such a huge contrast. The good thing is here. Here is, for example, selling cigarettes. Uh, cigarettes uh, like that guy did in New York who got choked. I don't remember the name. Maybe you do. Eric Garner. Yeah. Eric Garner. Yeah. Um, it's still illegal here, but right. the, the point is not 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 if it's legal or not. If well, it's whether it's enforced and it's not, and they cannot do it, and it's a good thing. Um, I think there's a lot of people here, uh, a lot of people in the U.S. that could use the freedom to open up a fonda or a, just a, a makeshift restaurant in their own homes, in the ghetto, and get away with it. And I mean, get some income and help their communities. And that's where we uh, always have to keep saying it doesn't matter if it's legal or not. You should ask yourself whether it's moral to sell food from your home or not, or it's ethical, or it's should be combated by force, which it shouldn't at all. Um, and uh, another one of the things that you, that you see is people start, for example, dealing drugs. Why would you take the risk for preparing some food where, right. the, where the return is so low, where you can probably go into more risk? So it has unintended conse consequences. Right.
but it all comes down to choice, right? If a person that goes to, um, to a home restaurant, you know, they should have that choice to risk uh, getting salmonella because it hasn't been regulated by the health authority, right? Um, who, who goes to jail when there is an actual salmonella outbreak? Right. Nobody does. Exactly. Where's the guarantee? Exactly. No guarantee. So, um, where would be the best place for to for expats to move into Mexico? Go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, I would say right now, I would say Merida. It's uh, the Yucatan, the capital of, of Yucatan. Uh, it's it's quite uh, hot, the weather, but it's one of the most well, the safest and uh, most uh, like homely places to leave there, there's no the, the crime rates are low uh there's a lot of economic freedom in yucatan there's a lot of, of political freedom there as well and and it's overall a good place to live and you're not that far away from uh tourist attractions ruins or beaches like that there are things that you're gonna do on your first two years maybe right after that you you want to live in in a, in a nice city where, where crime is low and i think Merida is one of the best places to move right now uh it used to be maybe mexico city and Querétaro, but, but but i think you're breaking up what, yeah <laughs> kind of badly okay let, let me I think uh, for, a couple, for a couple of minutes if, if you're okay with that because yes, uh, yeah i see only red bars <laughs> oh so yeah so uh, I guess what you were saying is that Mexico City used uh, has been safer for for the last probably 20 years, and then we're going back to the 90s where it's a little bit more more dangerous than it was before, right? So I, I get that's, that's that's part of what I got. So uh, probably now Mexico City isn't the best, whether uh, unless you have a business reason or family reason to be in Mexico City. I think right. you're just going to spend more money and be less comfortable than you would be anywhere else in mexico especially if you're a retiree and 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 you you got some kind of fixed income but in dollars so right uh, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a pretty decent living um somewhere else um don't be afraid of moving uh, further down i mean yeah. for the south you, you have to end up in baja or in ajijic and those places or in san miguel uh, those places are known for that the, 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 there's a ton of expats there if you want to live right. next to Americans, then sure, yeah. Right. Go to uh, San Miguel, go to Baja, go to some of the big- uh, I want to stay away as far as possible from any other American. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, want to, you want to drink up the, the culture and the language and everything else. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a little American- uh, Mainly the food. <laughs> yeah, food, food is awesome. Uh, yeah. Get used to a couple of being sick a couple of times, but that's okay. You won't yeah. die from it. Yeah. <laughs> being sick. Is that a thing? Well, that's Bean, a thing. Being uh, sick? Being sick, yeah. Uh, like from beans, <laughs> like, that's as, race, as racist as, as <laughs> <laughs> but, We are so, allowed to say it, so. Yeah. So, uh, what um, about libertarianism here in the United States? I mean, I imagine uh, you guys hear about a lot of libertarians here. Uh, I heard you guys' show, you guys mentioned uh, a lot of them. And I know you guys have mentioned Ron Paul. Who, um, who's your like greatest influence from, from here? Okay, uh, I, guess, I guess I'll go first because um, 
I went in, I, I went all, all in with the Mises Institute starting uh, mid twenties, mid mid twenty twenty something. So what would be twenty or five, twenty or six, about the twenty twenty ten. And if you remember when Stefan Molyneux was cool and good, and he was a libertarian, <laughs> I used to I used to listen to a lot of his content uh, when he was cool before twenty fifteen. So um, yeah, I don't like. I stopped liking him, especially after the the um, the New York cigarette incident when he went ahead and and um, justified it. Right. So yeah. Um, apart from that, lots of Murray Rothbard, the more academic like thing. And I, I did listen to a lot of podcasts, especially around 2012. Remember one called Wills of Liberty. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's gone. You can only find a couple episodes somewhere. It was no, Comedy Me Food Liberty, which is pretty much what we're trying to do in Laia. Right. And uh, I really liked that one. And I went to Porkfest. Um, so all of that really influenced uh, me. I have, I have very little influence from the South American part of it, from the Argentinians and the mostly classical liberals. So I went all anarcho-capitalist from, from pretty much from the get-go. So I did see. you, Pepe. <laughs> yeah. You love Ron Paul. I mean, well, uh, I, I mean, I st- it, it all started with Rothbard Wright, and and uh, but I went full on uh, on the Rumpel bandwagon since 2008. Um, my cousin, he was studying at UT. He called me like, "You should listen to this guy, Rumpel. He thinks a lot like you." I went, uh, saw a couple of videos, and I was all in with this, and yeah. and I, I jumped into bandwagon. And of course, it's an economist, guys like uh, Roger Garrison, and and. Um, well, there's a lot of great uh, uh, American economists, uh, well, libertarian economists. Garrison, of course, is my favorite of, of, of them all, but 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 also uh, some of the uh, uh, other non-anarcho-capitalist guys like uh, P- Peter Betke or, 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 or non-Austrian guys like Brian Kaplan. And I think mm-hmm. I really look, look up for, for, for those guys. I mean, they're all anarchists uh, of yeah. different uh, traditions, but, but, but uh, yeah, you've got a great thing going uh, up there, like there, there's a lot of people to look up, look up to, that we don't have in Mexico. But I think in South America and Spain, they're doing pretty well when it comes to the celebritarian things, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're trying to get there, I think. Uh, and I mean, the one thing I would have to say about the United States is we have all these libertarians, and um, I think we need to get kind of more celebrities that say they're libertarian more involved they they like to say they'll 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 fly the libertarian flag but they don't get themselves involved enough right um so i mean go ahead would you say it would be a good idea to have fewer um celebrity libertarians and and more libertarian celebrities i mean what would happen if some of some of these big big name celebrities went out and say hey i'm I'm an anarcho-capitalist of course i believe in the nap and the nap like what if libertarians became celebrities and the other other way around i mean that's what i'm saying like i think it would be uh a great i mean there's a lot of in the closet libertarians that will hint that they're libertarians, but they won't come out because they don't want to get kicked out from the uh, the uh, the circles, right? Uh, you have Clint Eastwood that hides it, and um, who else mentioned? Um, I, oh, I think that Kurt, guy Kurt from, Russell uh, and, uh, Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, 
from Wedding Crashers. Uh, Boy, Bo also Drew Carey. Drew Carey. He's, he's, he's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They're, they're all Canadian, really, but <laughs> they're dual citizens. <laughs> uh, and there's it's, a lot uh, of... Vince Vaughn. Vince yeah, Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, right. Uh, you know, that it would be great for them, yeah, to come well, out. And... Here, here's a tip, James. Uh, Kanye West is running for president. <laughs> and uh, I remember one, like three years ago, he tweeted, there is no liberty without economic freedom. So maybe maybe he knows something and, and and the libertarian party should should reach up to him me yeah. we'll <laughs> see we should, <laughs> i think we should dig up that tweet yes we should i'll <laughs> start yeah there's always a tweet uh all right and so go ahead and give a plug in about your podcast you know even though most of my listeners uh listen in english i'm pretty sure there's some of them that listen in spanish so Go ahead and uh, how can they find you? Pepe, go ahead. Well, uh, but I only know the introduction in Spanish, which, which is, uh, I'm right now trying to think how I'm going to say this. Okay. So, well, the, the podcast is called uh, Libertad Aquí Ahora, Freedom Here, Liberty Here and Now. And, and you can find us in a lot of, well, in all your social media as LAYA Podcast. That's uh, at LAYA Podcast in Twitter. And uh, facebook.com slash LAYA podcast. And uh, of course, you can download us in Spotify and in every uh, podcast, uh, well, wherever you download your podcasts as uh, Libertad Aquí Ahora LAYA. That's, uh, I I'm not going to spell the whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look for Libertad in Spanish, you'll probably you'll you'll probably uh, find. I think that's all I had to do uh, when I look for you guys in Apple Podcasts. It's, it's a good thing that we changed the oh, yeah. name for the whole feed because we we, yeah. we used to have something else. Yeah, but now <laughs> if you look for Libertad, we'll be right at the top. So yeah, so that's a good thing. Yep. So cool. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for being on. It was a great privilege and honor. Uh, thank you, James, for having. For having us here and at um, any time we're, we're really we're really uh, happy to talk a little bit about what things are going on here in mexico yeah. of course thank, thanks for having us james it's yeah it's quite a great experience yeah let's see if i can get on your guys yes. well, that, that'd be great but you, you'd have to speak in spanish so. yeah I, I know you know it. i know you know <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> all right thanks guys thanks <laughs>